0: Good morning and welcome to Wavemakers with Janet and Tom, a weekly conversation with people making a difference in the Tampa Bay region. I'm Janet. And I'm Tom. And answering the phones for us today is the always overheated John Dunn. Um, we're continuing the climate change conversation. Uh, Sean Canaan on the Tuesday Cafe just before this hour spoke with author Bob Keefe, about the potential economic benefits of climate change, um, climate action. Um, We're going to talk today in the next hour about how people every day right now are affected by climate change, by heat, food insecurity, and health issues. If you want to join our conversation, give us a call at 813-239-9663. And John will get you through to us. You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. And we look forward to hearing from you um, in the next hour. Today's Wavemaker is part of an organization that has been making waves in the state since 2010. Betty jean Jeremy is program director with the Tampa office of the CLIO Institute. CLIO stands for Climate Leadership Engagement Opportunities. It's a Miami-based organization whose stated mission is to, quote, educate and empower communities to demand climate action, ensuring a safe, just, and healthy environment for all, end quote. Betty, thanks for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Janet and Tom, for inviting me today.
2: CLIA was founded in 2010 by Caroline Lewis, a high school science teacher. Her goal was to teach people about climate change, inspire action, and build climate leadership. In the past year alone, the organization has worked with local governments in Tampa, Miami, and Tallahassee to draft and implement equitable climate action plans. They've negotiated with power companies to include safety nets for vulnerable customers facing disconnections during extreme temperatures. And they've implemented a $5 million pilot to deploy electric school buses, solar panels, and battery storage at public schools that serve as emergency shelters for low-income communities. Clio has been in Miami since 2010, but they opened an office in Tampa a year ago. And Betty, that's where you come in. That's it. So tell us a little about the history of Clio.
1: Sure, I'm more than happy to talk about Clio. I feel that... They are making a great difference in um, not only as an advocacy leader, but also in, um, you know, with underserved communities. So basically, we can say that Clio leads, educate, and advocate. So how does it do that, right? Clio offers several programs like the Clio Speakers Network, which is a program um, that helps. Others speak confidently about um, the science, impact, and solutions of climate change. It is mostly done virtually. We have the Climate Resilience School, which um, teaches students to become resilient and articulate about civic engagement. So this school, um, these students become young adults, so we, tr- we transitioned to the Cleo Youth Network, and it is a statewide network for high schoolers and college students. And we do have a chapter here in Tampa. So the, we're developing climate leaders in their communities. So climate justice, which is pretty much what we are addressing here in Tampa,
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, under the community resilience, started under Caroline's um, leadership in Miami, to bring awareness to underserved communities which are affected by climate change. So I would like to talk about Caroline Lewis because I feel that her background is super impressive. She's very interesting. Yeah, I've
0: researched her a little bit um, online and she's just really dynamic and has been recognized uh, recognized nationally for her work as a leader
1: in climate advocacy. That is correct. Yeah. So in 2013, she was nationally recognized as the White House Resilient Champion of Change, mm-hmm. and in 2017, she was featured. Um, she was a featured speaker at the Miami March of Science, In 2018, she was named by Time Magazine as one of the 30 one Individuals Making a Difference in 2019. She was also featured in the National Geographic's documentary From Paris to Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. So Caroline is all over the place. For She's sure. making
2: waves, that's for sure. She's
1: definitely making waves. And then you're... But she's a a science
0: teacher, so you're talking about education. And they have webinars, they have a speakers bureau, they have kids programs, they have trainings. They develop, help teachers develop curriculum on climate change. So they're really about educating people about climate change, and then turning them into uh, encouraging people to to demand action, to demand that their elected leaders. Act in a way, right, so mm-hmm. that we're not just wringing our hands. And I, I want to. There was. A, I'm going to, throughout the course of this hour, read a couple stats from people, um, and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about this later. But um, this, there was a Yale University study. They surveyed people between April and May of 2022, and in this study, um, they said um, more than half of Americans, 56. percent understand that global warming is mostly human-caused. About one in three think it's due mostly to natural changes in the environment. Um, And a majority of Americans, 64%, say they are at least somewhat worried about global warming. Three in 10 say they are very worried. So people are becoming concerned about it. Um, Now, is that happening in the communities that Clio is working with? People are concerned? Are they
1: aware of it and they don't know what to do? Or what are you guys seeing? So basically, we've been working in this space for over a year in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And what we are realizing is that people do believe that there's a change happening in climate. How do they address it is something else. So what we do in our listening session is one, educate them, as to the sign of climate change, because a lot of time it takes a little bit of um, practice, mm-hmm. uh, learning to connect the dots in terms of how climate change can affect our day to day. So we go over a climate change presentation with them so they have an idea and then we open the floor to around like a roundtable discussion as to What is going on in their community? How do they experience the day-to-day and turn it into, you know, and talk to them? Um, put turn it into action. Into action, yeah. right? There's a Clio
0: did an interesting um, exhibit. Um, I think it was in 2020 where they had statues made of wax that they put in um, places in Tallahassee, Orlando, and Tampa, and they were um, designed to melt, start melting at 90 degrees, so that you could see this is This is the effect of the heat. This is the effect of 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 climate change. um and one of them those statues is actually at Zoo Tampa here in Tampa so um clio is that was a a an awareness campaign, but that's the idea of the kind of work that Clio is doing in addition to, as um Betty is telling us, having the webinars and the speakers' bureaus and and trying to engage kids to teach them and let them know. Um, what kind of climate action to to demand. And we're going to talk a little bit more um, later in the hour about the very um, specifics of, of what's going on. I want to um, play a... But point being is that people are worried about climate change, but what we're seeing is that we're feeling it now. This is not something that's way off in the future that we're... is a hundred years from now. This is something that has happened in in 2022. And um, this Sunday on Meet the Press, um, Chuck Todd talked a little bit about what the last week has been like in terms of climate change, what the the, the weather has been like all around, all around the world. Um, and let's play that clip.
4: Good Sunday morning. And if you're waking up to another hot, sweaty day, you're not alone. Over the past seven days, there have been 359 daily high temperature records set across this country and across the Atlantic, Europe is burning up as well. More than 1,700 people died in Portugal and Spain alone in this current heat wave that they're experiencing. In his 2006 documentary film, An Inconvenient Truth, former Vice President Al Gore warned that we were gonna experience rising temperatures, melting glaciers, drying lakes, more wildfires, and stronger storms over the next 20 or 30 years. Well, guess what? In the 16 years since that film debuted, we've seen rising temperatures, melting glaciers, drying lakes, more wildfires in more states in this country, and yes, stronger storms. We've experienced a lot of that in the last 10 days alone. So despite all of the evidence staring us in the face like a hot sun, the United States remains a reluctant soldier in the fight against global warming. Just this month, Democrat Joe Manchin punted again on what was left of President Biden's climate bill, which was already opposed by all 50 Senate Republicans.
0: That was Chuck Todd talking on Meet the Press on Sunday. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF. And we're here with um, Betty jean Jeremy of um, the Tampa office of CLIO, the, uh, which stands for the Climate Leadership um, Engagement Opportunities. And they're a Miami-based organization whose mission is to educate people about climate Um Change and, d- and encourage them, inspire them to demand action. If you want to um, join the conversation, call us 813 239 9663 or send us an email at djwmnf.org at and tell us. I want to know are you feeling the effects of climate change? Are you hot? are you super hot right now? Cause I am. Does it feel hotter to you now than it did 10 years ago when you were living in Florida? Um, it feels that way to me, that's for sure. Um, and do you think we can do anything about it? Have we passed the point of no return? Have we gotten to a point where, you know, we know that there are things we can do, but as we know, countries like the United States, China, India, these big polluters are not, don't seem to be, have the will to actually make a difference.
2: Um, the, and, you know, the debate about climate change and the effects often uh, focus on things like uh, the rising sea levels and the flooding that might occur. But we're already, as Janet said, experiencing the effects of climate change because I, I imagine that that statue at the zoo is starting to melt because it was right. 90, it was 91 <laughs> degrees yesterday. And uh, so the reality is we are dealing with the effects of climate change right now. And you have been working with the city closely mm-hmm. and having uh, meetings with the listening public. Listening sessions. Or- having listening sessions. Right. So what are you hearing? Are people telling you, for example, that they're having a hard time staying cool in the summer? Or what are they telling you?
1: So that's a great question, Tom. Because um, one of the, the issue with climate change, right, it's not something that is in front of you. So climate change feels like a distant issue to most people. They not, they know they're hot, but they really don't um, understand why, right? So what they are say, saying is that they're having difficulties waiting for buses. They are having difficulties when their home are not weatherized. They're having difficulties when you know their backyard is constantly wet, meaning that there's an issue with um, storming and the water stays and doesn't um, flow, they're having difficulties in terms of um, trees, right? Um, when they go out, it's hard for them to um, breathe and mm-hmm. respiratory issues. So they know that they're feeling something. But a lot of time, it's so hard for them to connect to that with climate change. So that's where we come in because Clio is a fierce, as you can tell with Caroline's um, background, and now with our new executive director, Yoka, they they're very fierce in addressing the situation and to bring about um, results. And so, you're
2: also focused on equity. Right. And and justice, Mm -hmm. because so many of the effects uh, target people who are perhaps don't have the means to cope with the uh, climate change, the effects of climate change. And what can uh, governments like the city of Tampa, Miami, Orlando, the other cities you're working in, Tallahassee, the legislature, what can they do to help this issue?
1: That's right. So... I mean, very proud of the city because they took the initiative and they brought us on. City of Tampa. So you're working with the city of Tampa. For sure. Yeah. So what they did, they um, wanted to implement, um, put together a plan, right? Um, Climate action and equity plan. So I'm working with another consulting group, Applied Sciences, to work on the action part of it. And the Clio, CLIO Institute is working on the equity part. Why is it, it? Why is it important to us? It's because a lot of time plans are put in place, but yet we, um, the underserved communities, do not have a voice to share their challenges and tell us what they would like to see. So, um, what Clio does is really become the liaison between the city. And the underserved community. So, like, what you're talking about is that you have people maybe in underserved communities
0: who are out there at the bus stop. It's super hot. They're mm-hmm. miserable. They don't really understand. This is a climate change issue. You want to stop suffering this way. You need to hold your
1: elected officials accountable and ask, demand change. That is great, right? Yep. Having canopies out there um the
2: maybe having the buses run more frequently than once an hour
1: most definitely would be a great change for <laughs> that <Yeah. laughs>
0: that would help but and and good adequate shelters, yes, it's all about you know like I said, are we past the point of no return maybe we are we we know that we have the tools to to perhaps slow climate change but but we don't seem to have the will to to implement those tools so therefore how do we live with this changing environment and things like
1: the, the bus shelters or the, I think Clio is working. We, home program weatherization. program, Making for sure home. that it is effective, it is um, communicating to these individual that this program is ready for them, right?
2: Because in some states, let's face it, air conditioning is seen as somewhat of a luxury. Mm-hmm. In Florida, though, mm-hmm. not so much a luxury. It's, it's a, for some people, it could be uh, life or death. It could get so hot.
1: For sure, and what we what we also seeing is that a lot of time the electric bill is so high that um, folks have to choose between paying the electric bill and buy food, right? Mm-hmm. Which one do we target? Right, and we have seen rental, you know, skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past year, two years, right, yeah. after the pandemic. So this is an added challenge to the issues that they are confronting. We've got a couple um, folks on the line here who
0: want to um, join the conversation. So I'm going to, um, Chris, Chris um, in Clearwater, you're on the line. What's on your mind?
3: Yeah, uh, I uh, wanted to point out that there are other greenhouse gases that industry puts out. And if you look at the EPA's website, uh, they have a page titled Overview of Greenhouse Gases, and uh, they do not list water vapor at all, which uh, surprises me, which is the most impactful one, though they do, of course, show carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, and the most impactful one is fluorinated gases. Which industry puts out, and I think that the press, the media, the slave stream media, as I call them, hmm. doesn't want to mention the fluorinated gases because they are the most impactful. And the uh, you know, big industry like uh, phosphate mining puts them out uh, in the, you know, the EPA and the Florida Department of Environmental Protection does not monitor them.
0: Yeah, Chris, so. question for you. I got a question for you. you how long have you lived in Clearwater?
3: Um, I'm think about since 2010. But I've lived in Pinellas since I was two years old. Oh, okay. So,
0: have do you think the, Have you do you feel like you're experiencing climate change? You're somebody who's lived in Florida a long time. Is it does it does it feel hotter in the summer and even hotter in the winter? I mean, I remember having super cold winters when I first moved down here. I feel like we don't have them at all anymore. What's your experience, Chris? Mm-hmm.
3: I can't say. I exercise all the time. But, uh, you know, I want to point out that uh, whether you believe in climate change or not, we should all unite under the fact that the most toxic greenhouse gas, according to the EPA, which are fluorinated gases, the most impactful are the most toxic, the only one that's synthetic. They're the, the most lasting, meaning they don't break down as, as fast. I mean, even though they are only 3% of greenhouse gases, according to the EPA, compared to carbon dioxide, 81% of greenhouse gases, well, carbon dioxide has a global warming potential, the EPA says, of one. Fluorinated gases are in the thousands, tens of thousands. So that's something that I think we should all unite on, and uh, who other than big industry doesn't want us to talk about it. Does, no,
0: that's does. right. There, there's definitely um, that there, we got to we got to take some major action. But Chris, I, I, th-
2: I thought that for a while that even if you don't believe that humans are affecting the climate, that the things that are being recommended would make our environment cleaner. Anyway, so, right. Anyway, so why not just do that for that reason?
0: Yeah, Chris, we appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Thanks. Um, I also have, let's see, we've got Clay from Land Lakes. Clay, um, and if you want to call, go ahead. We've got a couple lines open, 813-239-9663. I'm going to read. um, We have a text message from Doug in Clearwater who says, It's hot. Hurricanes might be wicked here soon. I think you are right, Doug. And he says he appreciates the locally produced news. Um, Clay, Clay in Land Lakes. you're on the line. What's on your mind?
5: Well, thank you for taking my call, and thank you to your guest for all the hard work she's been doing and trying to uh, make people aware. But, uh, you know, one of the things that, that bothers me is people don't realize how effective the Republicans and the right wing is at messaging and um, putting a label on things. And one of the labels we keep misusing is climate change. It is not climate change. It's climate crisis. I agree. You need to start saying climate crisis, mm-hmm. not the climate change. The world's on fire. We have megastorms. We have, uh, you know, uh, temperatures that are killing people now. Uh, we're in big trouble, and we're talking about it like it's just, oh, it's climate change. It doesn't it doesn't give the kind of authority right. to the whole issue by calling it climate change. You
0: are correct. And I uh, for the rest of the show, I'm going to call it climate crisis. 100%. I hope,
5: well, hope Cleo will do the same.
0: Well, Cleo, actually, it, Clay, interesting that you say that because— a, a lot of it is. Clio is about communication and messaging and teaching people how to talk about the climate crisis, teach people how to demand action. So you're you're right on point there about communication and and how do we talk about it? How do we talk about the climate crisis? I really appreciate your insight. Thanks, Clay. All right,
5: peace be upon you all. Oh,
0: question for you though. I want to ask you this: How yeah. long have you lived um, in uh, in uh, Florida?
5: I'm a native Floridian. I'm a native champion. Uh, I've lived here my entire life. I'm 67 years old, and I've been living the last 33 years without air conditioning.
6: Wow.
2: And do you... (laughs) Do you you have an attic fan? How do you survive? I have fans, but not
5: an attic fan. I used to have a nice attic fan that that worked out well, but... That went bad and couldn't afford to replace it. But yeah, I use fans and cold showers. So I have a well. <laughs> a nice Clay. cold shower from a well.
1: So Clay, I would like to um, clear something. We do use climate crisis and climate change interchangeably. So yes, I agree with, her, climate with you. Climate crisis. Do you, in the time you've lived here, Clay? Do you think? Have you seen the weather
0: change? Do you feel like you're experiencing the effects of the climate crisis?
5: Actually, I tell you that one of the reasons that Florida's being flooded with people now is we've had some of the mildest um, reactions to uh, the climate crisis of any state, I think. It's not mm. – I, I remember times when it's been uh, worse, and I remember times when we have had mild winters um, where we didn't get the kind of cold that we wanted. I love it when it gets cold. But, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's as bad as I expected. I expect it to be much worse. We haven't seen 100-degree temperatures. We haven't seen, um, you know, the the kind of... Well, we have, like,
0: the sunny-day flooding in Miami. That's happening already. Well,
5: the sunny-day flooding is actually high-tide flooding. And what's happening is we, you know, that's one of the things that, that we seem to ignore... That this sea level rise has already occurred. Exactly, uh, we have high tide flooding, and we're putting in baffle systems throughout St. Petersburg and all over into the storm water systems to keep that water from backing up in there. Wait, so,
0: isn't that telling you that you're already feeling the effects of it, perhaps? Or you're you're saying that that? I mean, you uh, know, I'm on I'm on high I'm on high ground. Michael, right. So I'm not. You hold on to that property; that's gaining in value every minute. Yeah. <laughs> Being on high
7: ground.
5: They- I'm not really concerned about that. I'm more concerned about the kind of environment that we're leaving or not leaving. You know, we're lost, we've all almost lost all the um, uh, monarch butterflies that uh, do the um, uh, migration. Yep. And one of the stopover points was here in Florida. And the reason that we're losing them is habitat loss. Right. Because in Florida, we don't seem to be able to think of anything other than turning everything into concrete and
0: asphalt. Yep. And that's that's, that's whole uh, that's all part of how do you take the action to address the crisis. Thanks for the call Clay. I want to take another call. Appreciate oh, it very much. Thank you. If thank you, want you want to weigh in, me. give us thank a call you. 813-239-9663. And I want to know do you have you been feeling the effects of climate change? According to this Yale study, um, about half of Americans, 48%, think people in the United States are being harmed harmed by global warming right now. And 4 in 10, 43% say they personally have experienced experienced the effects of global warming. Um, more than one in 10 Americans have considered moving to avoid the impacts of global warming. Um, DeAndre um, from Brandon is uh, on the line. DeAndre from Brandon, he's, he wants to talk about changes he's seen in his life in Florida. Tell us, um, you're on the line, um, DeAndre, what's on your mind?
8: Hey, hello. Like, I'm a rideshare driver right now, um, but about 10 years ago, I was just like a straight up uh, pedestrian. And thank you for you guys hosting this and thank you uh staff at cleo for coming in thank you very much and thanks um, for listening no problem absolutely um so uh, like i said i was a pedestrian up until about 10 years ago i was in the marching band i caught the heartline buses and i worked in construction you know through labor pools and then i worked at you know patio bars and yeah there's been a change all of a sudden you know, we experienced uh, uh, later uh, falls, uh, later winters, uh, warm mm-hmm. springs. I remember, and I can't recall. I have to look it up. But like, there was a date, and uh, I think it was uh, a February. where we were reaching upwards inland of near 100 degrees. It was either a May or a February, but it was terribly um, uh, unseasonal. And um, and this is something that's been going on progressively for like, I mean, at least the late '90s. Mm-hmm, yeah, you know. And um, I, I I noticed because I depend on weather. Like, I feel like my body had got tune with Tampa, downtown Tampa, Temple Terrace weather. You know what I'm saying? After all those experiences, and, and I would feel it being off because I would expect. The, the drop in humidity, the drop in dew points, and, like, you know, the bug, you know, the bug issue being sustained, especially living near the river and being, you know, uh, an inland fisherman. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As a kid, don't get me wrong, but still, I was fishing. You know, I'll be definitely dependent on that to watch out for, you know, a snake. But I you're
0: fe- be- you're yeah. saying you're feeling it, DeAndre. You're feeling, you you're personally are feeling the effects of climate change. You'd be somebody who would say that.
8: Oh, absolutely. And then one last thing, I think one observation that everybody needs to chill and look and like really examine and ask themselves why we haven't heard from meteorologists about is why in the heck during the shutdowns did Texas freeze?
1: Yeah, DeAndre, thank you um, for your question. I completely agree with you. And that is why the Clear Institute is steadfast in addressing this issue especially with the underserved communities, we feel that they get the hard part of it because they really have not um, created or they um, are feeling the heat. But at the same time, what have they done, you know, to the environment for, say? So we have to compare. Yep. Thanks for the call, DeAndre.
8: Absolutely. You guys, thank you.
1: Um, I, uh,
2: Let's reintroduce our guest. Betty Jean Germain is program director for the Tampa office of CLIO Institute of Florida, climate crisis education and advocacy organization. You're listening to community sponsored, commercial free radio. We're powered by volunteers like me and listeners like you who support the station. You can show your support by going to WMNF.org and hitting the tip jar to make a donation.
0: And again, our our guest today is um, Betty jean
1: Germi. She's a program director with the Clio Institute. It's really program manager. My program director will not be too happy. Program manager. Manager, That's right. (laughs)
0: Um, uh, Our
2: fault, not buddy's.
0: We were talking about, um, We have I want to read this text message that we got from Amy in St. Pete, who says, many thank yous to the last caller. I think that was Chuck that was trying to educate us about chlorides in the water. That was a couple callers ago. Um, And everyone should listen better, Amy said. So she liked what he had to say about the chlorides in the water. Um, Al Gore was on the... um, uh, meet the press with um, Chuck Todd and, and I want to play what he had to say because it's um, relevant to our conversation today.
4: But the idea of you climate change and making it the issue, would you like to see more presidential candidates do it? Absolutely. Public sentiment is changing very dramatically, but we need more grassroots action on the part of Americans, not only in the uh, upcoming congressional races and the presidential race in 2024, but in the local races and in the state elections a- as well. We, the people, have to solve this, and we have to uh, instruct those who are in positions of leadership to start doing the right thing. Our survival as a a species may depend upon it.
0: And a couple things there that he said that I thought were interesting. One, when he says our survival as a species depends on this. And I, 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 I like that he's not saying we're destroying the planet. And Betty and I were just talking about this before the show that, we're not destroying the planet. The planet's going to be fine. For sure. What we're doing... The
2: planet is going to spit us out. Right.
0: <laughs> what we're doing is destroying our habitat. Um, and then he talks about the importance of the local um, local activism. And that's what you guys are doing. You've done a series of listening sessions. You're working with the city, but you've done four listening sessions so far right. to hear directly from people. And you have another
1: one coming up in the fall. Right. You'll have we a- have... Um- Town halls happening in the fall. So, what we are doing is really selecting community leaders, inviting them to face the elected officials and directly address the issues, um, the themes that have been coming up over and over during the listening sessions. And what we're talking about, we're talking about the weatherization program, we're talking about transportation, their health, the food. you know issues, insecurity that right. is happening, um, the storming, the all these issues that um, Tempeñans are addressing. So we'll have communities, um, community leaders express these, and then asking these leaders, what are some, what are, what are some um, actions? When will should they expect um, to see some of these issues addressed? Meaning, will it be a short-term or will it be a long-term result? And what should they be um, looking for? So we are taking this to the the next level, which is more like advocacy work. Mm -hmm. Because as you see, Clio is all about advocacy and really inviting people to come in, which um, we will... Let you guys know in the future as to the date of this town hall, mm-hmm. so um, you can come in, share your information, and we'll really follow up with um, this with this conversation. Yes.
2: And you know, the I wanted to go back to a point, Janet, you made earlier. We're very focused because it's so hot right now on the high temperatures that we're experiencing in the summer. But as you pointed out, we're not seeing the kind of cold weather that we used to see during the winter. We had a very mild uh, winter this past year. And uh, I've been around for a long time, so I still remember the freezes of 1983 and mm-hmm. 1985 that wiped, virtually wiped out the citrus industry in the northern stretches of central Florida. And that citrus industry started moving south. I remember working for the Orlando Sentinel, ended up going to LaBelle to do a story about how they were moving citrus groves mm-hmm. that far south because of all the freezes. And we had not been seeing those Well, we had,
0: um, we had Well, we had Gary Wyschnowski on from yes. Wish Farms a couple weeks ago, and he was saying how they don't have to worry about freezes with the strawberries anymore. We can
2: all remember seeing TV uh, images of mm-hmm. the strawberry farmers putting uh, water on their berries uh, so that ice would form around them and protect them, and you hardly ever see that anymore. And we have a, a text message from uh, Mark in Northport. He says he's 64 and he's from North Maryland. And it seems to him that for sure the climate has changed. You can count on a good Northeaster every 10 or 15 years and have a blizzard. I think that's not as regular as it was. And when it's 115 degrees in Oregon and you have to shut down businesses because they haven't got ACs, that's affecting the financial world. Yep. And having people say that's not, that doesn't need to be addressed Okay, we, we, we know where Mark is coming down on this yeah. issue. Where do the, our listeners, where do you all come down on this issue? Do you feel the effects of climate change right now? And do you think our elected officials should do something about it?
0: Um, th- back to that Yale study, it says um, a majority of Americans, 64%, say the issue of glo- global warming is either extremely very or somewhat important to them. Um, and a majority of Americans, 63%, think global warming is affecting weather in the United States. 32% think it's affecting weather a lot. Um, one of the things that Clio Institute also does is help you identify, how do you identify a, elect, a candidate who is, um, that takes climate the climate crisis seriously, so they help you become an informed voter, which is a, a great service of them. And, and how,
2: can voters get in, or, or people get involved with Clio at all? Is there some way that they can channel their uh, concern into action through Clio?
1: Definitely, one of the things that we do um, when we um, through our speakers network, right? We voting is really your power because that's how you exercise your right to climate change so uh, climate crisis. Uh, So it's very important that we are engaged. It's very important that we stay current with what is happening so we can choose our elected official. We can um, speak our voice that way. And And when you you see
2: uh, someone running for office, it's always useful to ask them about it Mm -hmm. because I don't know how often I've heard a candidate say, well, nobody ever asks me about such and such issue. They take from that that nobody cares about it. So if you care about climate change, you care about the climate crisis that we're experiencing, it's important that you ask candidates where they stand and what they plan to do about it.
1: That That's correct, because what we do within the um, training that we, that we have with pretty much everyone, we've had people from all over the place, um, but At the end of the training, we teach folks how to really engage with their congressmen, how to really engage with their senators, what they need to do in order to share their voices. As a matter of fact, if I may add, um, um, we had eight climate emergency declaration here in Florida. Tallahassee committed to equity criteria for their clean energy plan in 2021, our policy brief includes child child wood I'm sorry, childhood. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> childhood hunger in Leon County county, and um, food scar- scarcity here uh-huh. in Tampa. So we are very active in declaring, um, you know, things besides climate crisis in different area, um, so we can stay committed to it. Clean energy passing the Right of Nature Charter ad- ad- amend- Amendment mm-hmm. a- in 2020 in Orange County. So CLEA's work is all about advocacy, and CLEA's work is all about um, empowering our um, voters, our citizens to share their voices. Well, if
2: they do engage with candidates and elected officials and urge them to do something about the climate crisis, what kinds of things can a local government like the city of Tampa do to deal with the climate crisis?
1: So what we do, and now we're working with the city of Tampa, right? So the next phase of our work will be advocacy work. So we have to wait and see how the city will respond to um, the work that they have committed to do. So they're in the information gathering stage right now. Exactly, which is where we are. So we have to wait, let's just say next year, Whatever they commit to do, we have to hold them accountable to do it. Um, we've got an
0: email from Gary Gibbons who says um, we, that uh, the Sierra Club has an extensive um, endorsement process to vet candidates on environmental issues. So that's a good way to find out um, what candidates, how candidates stand on the issue of, of the climate crisis and become an informed voter let's get take another call we've got cindy from dunedin is on the line cindy from dunedin what's on your mind
6: how are you doing today
0: i'm great how are you are you hot
6: I, well yeah i'm out walking dogs so yeah i'm hot <laughs> um, i'm a fifth i'm a fifth generation feridian and i am very very sad about what's going on and I think people ought to do more about talking about their kids and their kids' kids. Yep. Because we, we may end up just destroying the environment altogether. Yep. I used to think it was going to be about 100 years. Now I'm down to 50. Yep. Um, and, and if people would contact the representatives and, I'm ta- and, and all the people in the gas and oil industry and say, you know, you don't love your kids and your kids' kids. Because what you're doing to this earth is abominable. Cindy,
1: you know? I'd like to say that we are really destroying ourselves and not the environment. We're our habitat. We're destroying yes. the environment oh. that is hospitable to human
0: beings That's is what great. we're doing. you're yeah. but, right, but your Cindy? point is
2: correct. The young folks are the ones who are going to have to bear the burden well, sure. that us old folks are not fixing.
0: Right. I think yeah. about how much I feel the weather has changed. Um, back to our friend from Maryland who emailed us, he said that he remembers when the Chesapeake Peak Bay would. Um freeze enough that you could actually drive a car across it, and that has not happened in a very long time. Um, so the weather is changing, and Cindy, yeah, I think about that all the time. Like, what kind of world is my grandchild going to live in? Are they going to live in? It's going to be such a hellscape, and there's sometimes when I'm outside, you know, I don't like complaining about the heat, because I grew up in Ohio, and I never really liked the cold, but... And I'm not saying I'm complaining, but I am observing that it is really, really hot. And it's scary. What you think? What if I didn't have water and air conditioning? You know, it would be horrible. Cindy, what were you going to say?
6: You shouldn't complain about it. You should do something about it, you know? Right. Um, Complaining doesn't do any good because a bunch of people complain. But how many people actually write people who were involved? And and I think worldwide we need to do this because we're not the only nation that's doing it.
0: That's right. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Cindy. Okay. Take it easy. Um, you're listening to Wavemakers on WMNF in Tampa um, with uh, Janet and Tom. And our guest today is Betty Jean-Germy, Jeremy, is a program manager right. with the um, Tampa office of the Clio Institute. Let's take a break for a moment. Um, and... Uh, do a promotion for your favorite radio station.
8: Family, it's your resident chef, Big Eddie G, inviting you to the Soul Kitchen. Me and my assistant chef, Mr. White Pepper, Dave and Brian, serve up the best of R&B and soul music with a pinch of hip-hop and jazz and a dash of fun. So stop by Friday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Bring your appetite, because the kitchen will sure enough fill you up right Here, only on 88.5 WMNF.
0: And we're back. This is um, Wavemakers and WMNF with Janet and Tom, and we're talking about the climate crisis and um, how it is affecting us today in this very moment. Uh, If you'd like to join the conversation, you give us a call at 813-239-9663.
2: You can also email us at dj at wmnf.org or text us at 813-433-0885. We are getting a lot of calls today. Because this issue affects all of us. You have anything to say, please email us, text us, or give us a call.
0: And let us know, are you feeling, do you believe you are actually feeling the effects of climate change? Let's talk a little bit more, move on to focusing a little bit more about equity. I've got a, um, uh, what what we mean when we talk about climate equity and climate justice. So one of the things that is interesting is sea level rise. So we talked a little bit about heat, but sea level rise. It used to be that rich people were wanting to live on the beach. They wanted to be on the water, and then we would have the black and brown people and the underrepresented uh, under people, underserved people living on higher ground. And now that higher ground, I was kind of joking with um, our friend from Clearwater who called, but the higher ground is now becoming more valuable, and that's where it's going to turn the other way. We're going to have a, a different kind of, of um of inequity and where people are living. It'll be people living in the swamp lands with the mosquitoes and stuff. And that higher ground is actually going to become the desirable property. Um, let's see. We've got um, Tom in St. Pete is on the line. Um, Tom in St. Pete, uh, you're on the air. What's on your mind? I'm trying to get you on there. There we go. Tom in St. Hey. Pete. Uh,
9: yes.
0: You. You're on the line. What's on your mind?
5: Well, we were talking about our grandchildren, and uh, I know that when my grandchildren come of age that Florida is still going to be here, but it's only going to be 100 miles long and 10 miles wide. Hmm. Interesting. Um Grab a beach house now, but you may want to do it
8: you
0: know uh, <laughs> buy it in orlando <laughs> there was yeah. a time when actually interesting you know in, in, this, in uh, florida was the peninsula was mass i mean climate change sea level rise has been happening for thousands of years um because yeah. there was a time when the florida peninsula was much 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 bigger than it was and it did we not were sure. not there were not any nobody was driving any um you know gas powered cars or anything right yeah. Um, thanks for the call, Tom. I appreciate it.
2: Another issue that a lot of people don't think about, uh, Janet, is uh, the uh, link between climate change and gentrification. Right. So, uh, Betty, you want to talk about that? Yes.
1: That is one thing that we are seeing a lot, climate gentrification, is the fact, and you mentioned it, Janet, um, that uh, a lot of builders, they move to existing communities where these underserved communities... Um, leave and they start building, um, whether it's new houses, whether it's um, condos or apartment. And what what is happening is that um, people on fixed income cannot afford the new apartments that they have. Therefore, they slowly... And um, Willie silently, gently moving these people away from the the communities where they have been living Mm -hmm. for a long time.
2: Which can be good if you want to sell your property and make a lot of money. But if you want to stay there, your taxes go up. And if you're a renter, your rent goes up. So that can prove to be very difficult.
1: Well, 100%. But yet, um, a lot of these people just, like we um, we had a workshop two weeks ago with the National um, Institute, a lot of these people do not want to move from their communities mm-hmm. because solely because they have built, um, you know, a community there and the, uh, family, whether they're auntie or cousin, they live nearby. They want to stay together. So that's another. Um, We got an email from Bob
0: Keefe, who was just the uh, guest on Sean's show right before us, and he says, "Um, FYI, we're all feeling the impacts of climate change, and remember we're also paying more for it too. Um, In the past five years, we've had the three most expensive wildfires, the Camp Fire, Tubbs Fire, the Woolsey Fire, all of which cost billions of dollars to address the four most expensive Expensive hurricanes after Katrina, three of them in 2017 and one in 2021. The most expensive freeze, that was in Texas in 2021, and the most expensive thunderstorm event in August 2020 in Iowa um, and Indiana. So, indeed, yeah, we are feeling it. It's costing us money. It is here. It is no longer something that is happening in the future. Um, what are we going to do about it? Um, It was great
2: to hear Bob's voice today. I'm glad you're listening, Bob, uh, who is a terrific guy. He was a great reporter. We worked together at the St. Pete Times, and I'm so glad to see his career arc. It's wonderful.
0: Yep, and back to back. We've got um, former Times reporters. Here's um, Mark in St. Pete. He wants to comment, uh, talk about equity and the climate crisis. Um, Mark in St. Pete, you're on the line. What's on your mind?
7: oh hey good afternoon yeah i was just going to call in about the, the comment about affordability and equity when it comes to these coastal communities uh what i really see happening is that you know people of means are going to be able to self-insure on the shoreline so those people are fine that they can build their houses high above the floodplain but those people that are immediately behind those seawalls, walls those are the people who may not be able to self-insure insurance rates are too high and those communities get displaced, and so if really, I, while I agree that these higher, uh, higher elevations will be more valuable, it, it's really what it's going to really do is say, well, can you really afford the insurance? And people are going to have to move according to that because no one's going to want to insure them. And the, the rich people will be fine because they'll be building high. But all those, all the locals who have low slabs on grade houses, they're the ones that are going to be displaced.
0: Right. Thanks for the call, Mark. I appreciate it. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at WMNF. Um, dot org. I'm going to play a, a clip from Caroline Lewis talking about, it's kind of a long clip, so I don't know if I'm going to play the whole thing, but she's talking a little bit about the issue of climate equity, and um, it's just, she's just so cool, so it's interesting to hear her talk. Caroline so Lewis
2: being the founder Caroline
0: of Lewis, the founder of Clio. So let's listen to what she has I'm to say. Miami.
9: i in Miami. I want you all to know this. Miami's like this, flat as a pancake. You can see my hands, right? Down the middle of the county, kind of diagonal, is this ridge, this coral ridge, it's elevated. And when Miami was being developed and all the rich people were moving down here, they wanted to live on the coast so they could enjoy the beaches. So what did they do? They put all the railroad tracks on the ridge and they sent all the black and brown people to live there. And so from redlining and a lot of terrible um, situations that were abused, These communities of color, Little Haiti, Liberty City, Alapata, means nothing to you, but that's where the black and brown people developed their families and their culture. Well, that ridge is the highest ground in Miami-Dade County, from 10 to 18 feet in some parts. That's humongously high down here. And so now with climate gentrification, when the developers are seeing that The insurance costs are less if they build on high ground. The rate of gentrification is accelerating at such a pace that it's aggressive. So what do we do about it? We call it out. We say, this is climate gentrification. You can gentrify, but gentrify with the people, don't displace them. And what we have is our frontline communities telling us that the developers are knocking on their doors letting them know before they even know that there are there are liens on their properties or they're behind in their taxes. Now, add in the fact that if you read the Alice reports for your region, and I urge everybody who cares about justice at any level.
0: We're running out of time, so I'm going to cut her short on that. But what she starts talking about is that the fact that these are people who have Employment. They have jobs, and they still are not able to pay their bills and be able to do things like fortify their homes, weatherize their homes, and do the things they need to do. We um, to protect themselves from climate change. We have um, an email um, from Bev who says, um, "Talking about how we're talking about um, the Earth becoming uninhabitable." Developers rule Florida. Bev says they cut down trees to build huge houses or shopping malls. I grew up in Tampa with no AC in home or school until high school, which was built in 1977. We have made our beautiful, unique state, uninhabitable, without air conditioning. Um, and, and that's true. You know, you think about, um, we've got people living in tents in East Tampa. Those are people who are subjected to the elements. They, they are, there is... They cannot afford to find a place for them to live comfortably. And I know people don't like caring about this, but a lot of our prisons in Florida do not have
2: air conditioning. I don't think any of our prisons in I Florida. think there's one. Is there, there one? There might be one. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like cruel and unusual But punishment. nonetheless,
0: how, uh, uh, you know, still treating people like human beings, they, they, you know, we might need to have to air condition those because they may not be able to survive living in, in that. People die from the heat. Um, I, I believe, I'm not 100% sure this is true, but somebody, um, I had heard that yesterday when I was researching this, that you're not required to put air conditioning in public housing, although you are required to put heat in it up north. But in Florida, you're not, or in the south, you're not required to put air conditioning in it. Maybe we need to require that because you can't, get to the point where you cannot
1: live. You know, people yeah. will die from heat. So sad. So sad for Will because um, a lot of time we see money, but where do these people go? they go into areas where you're talking about landfill, landmines, you know, places that will affect their health and they have no idea that this is where they will be building their new home. So I'm seeing it Then We have Sulphur Spring, for example. It's an area that has a lot of challenges, but yet we're slowly seeing it being developed, mm-hmm. right? So these people, are, you know, they... Are moving away um, of these their communities, so this is happening. And um,
0: and when the other thing, when you talk about climate justice, um, hurricanes. Somebody said we're going to have worse hurricanes in Florida, probably. And yes, that's probably true. Eventually, we will have worse storms. There are people who are not able to when they say, "Go ahead and get yourself ready for the hurricane." How do they protect themselves? They may not have the means to protect themselves. They, and then if the hurricane does hit and all of a sudden they're without power and they can't work for a couple of weeks, they're not making any money, how do they make ends meet? And it just, to use a weather term, it snowballs.
1: Val- valid point. Um, and if I may add, Janet, we're talking about this community, some people, most people don't have cars and the communication is poor. Mm-hmm. They don't even know that it's happening. They don't even know where to go emergency preparedness may be a good plan for the city but if it's not reaching the um, the underserved communities what good it is right so that's right we have many challenges that we need to address right now
0: we have many challenges and um, Clio Institute is an organization that is trying to address those challenges and specifically we've got a, a new chapter Clio's been around for since for 12 years right. um, and in Tampa for about a year and working with the city of Tampa to make sure that the climate action plan that the city of Tampa is developing
1: will be um, an equitable plan.
2: And how can people get involved with Clio if they want?
1: Sure. Please, um, Betty Jeremy at Clio Please email us. My number is 321-578-2001. And thanks um, for
0: being with us, Betty. We appreciate it very much. It was a great conversation. Thanks to all of our callers. Thanks to all of our listeners. um, And thanks to all the folks who emailed us. us. Stay tuned. Um, Up next is Harrison Nash after uh, news from NPR. This is WMNF Tampa. Thank you. News in Washington. I'm Lakshmi Singh. Former Vice President Mike Pence is in Washington, D.C., rolling out what he's calling his freedom agenda. NPR's Tamara Keith reports this afternoon, former President Donald Trump will also be in Washington for the first time since he left the White House.